0: Hi Doctor, are you currently seeing patients with shoulder pain? What about frozen shoulder? What if I could teach you a neurological treatment system in which you could literally take a person from frozen, frozen shoulder to a full range of motion in two visits? And this system is so powerful that we guarantee results in two visits or we don't accept the patient with care. Hi, I'm Dr. Andy Barlow, I'm a board certified chiropractic neurologist also carry a fellowship in functional neurology and every Wednesday night at 5 p.m. I'm giving a one hour seminar free of charge. I'm here to help you. I'm here to help your community. I'm here to help our profession go to the next level. I personally look forward to seeing you every Wednesday night. I wanna com- completely change your life and, ch- and change your community's life. And I can help you do that because I've helped hundreds if not thousands of doctors from Europe to Canada, all the way to New Zealand with these types of health issues, okay? So, I look forward to seeing you Wednesday night at 5 p.m. Central on the webinar. Have a great day, I look forward to seeing you on on the internet.
1: Uh, Hello everyone, this is Mark Anthony with Edge on Regenerative Medicine Show. I am so excited, today we have a special guest out of the Texas area. Every time I think of Texas, I think of Bonanza, please. It's gotta keep it real. And so uh, anyways, uh, today we're, we have a, a special guest. It's Dr. Uh, Dan Clearfield. Um, we're going to be talking about a topic that I, I people hear a lot about, but I never really hear anybody really explain it. And I know if I'm confused, I know the whole world's confused, just joking. But with that being said, uh, we're gonna be talking about life as. Life is a sport, and motion is medicine. You know, we hear about you know I'm a sports medicine doctor, I'm a sports doctor, and you know what does that entail? Um, before we get started, everyone, uh, you can go to uh, motionmedicinedfw.com. That's uh, Dr. Clearfield's website. And again, thank you so much, doctor, for being here. How are you today?
2: I'm doing great. How are you?
1: Man, if I was doing any better, I'd need a third cup of coffee. Just joking. <laughs> but with that being said, uh, tell us a little bit about you and uh, your credentials because you have a lot of credentials. I was going to name them but you know it would have taken me about about 30 30 minutes
2: At least. and uh,
1: <laughs> you know so
2: um, Okay yeah thanks. Um, yeah so I, I'm Dr. Daniel Clearfield. Uh, I'm the uh, owner and medical director of Motion is Medicine Sports Medicine. We are in North Richland Hills, Texas which is right by Fort Worth, uh, Texas for those that don't know the area. Um, I am a a DO, doctor of osteopathic medicine, and uh, I'm boarded in family medicine and osteopathic manipulative medicine, as well as boarded in uh, primary care sports medicine. And um, I have uh, been in practice now for, uh, um, I I guess it's just over 10 years now, um, after uh, completing both of my uh, residency and both of my fellowships. And um, I started, uh, I I was uh, teaching over at the medical school over in Fort Worth for uh, first five years of practice, went into a private practice for a little bit of a period, and then um, realized there were some problems with our healthcare system. And I decided to be a disruptor rather than somebody that just kind of put their head down and just keep barreling forward and hoping things were gonna change. And that's where I started my practice, Motion as Medicine, back in 2019. And so, uh, um, you know, we can talk about that. We can talk about sports medicine, happy to answer any and all kind of questions. So.
1: Well, I hear a lot about sports medicine doctors. And like I said, if, if, I'm, if I'm not sure what that is, or, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, are you only currently only working with people that are in sports or is that the majority of the people you work or is that just a broad term?
2: It's, it's definitely a broad term. And we talk about the um, term sports medicine physician uh, sometimes it makes it seem too, uh, um, exclusive. Um, right. One thing I like to say is any way that moves is an athlete. And so, um, I say uh, sports medicine doctors, we are trained physicians in regards to being able to treat any kind of injury, um, uh, that can occur, whether it be acute chronic. Um, so whether it be a sprain, strain, fracture, right. uh, we can manage those type of things, but we take care of a lot of chronic things, whether it be arthritis. And so, um uh what i like to say is i'm very full scope in regards to what i do in sports medicine and so i could treat the uh five-year-old that fell off the monkey bars i can treat the 16-year-old with their concussion the 25-year-old that uh, sprained their ankle uh the 35-year-old that is starting to have some rotator cuff issues or the 95-year-old that has some arthritis and would just like to be able to go for their daily walk and so really uh you know uh, it's that encompass that full encompassment of uh um primary care sports medicine. So, um, you know, those of us that have that background in primary care and mine was in family medicine, we learned to take care of the whole family from baby to baby and beyond. And so, uh, we can do the same kind of thing in sports medicine. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you don't necessarily have to be a professional athlete for me to be able to see you, uh, we're, but we're going to treat everybody like a professional athlete in regards to their care.
1: Wow. I I like the way you said that. So you're, you're focused on not just treating the whole family, but the whole body it's, because I know there's some doctors that are just back doctors or knee doctors, at least that's what they promote. What would you say the difference is between uh, just a chiropractor and then with what you do, is there really a main difference?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, so a chiropractor has gone through chiropractic school. And so they're a doctor of chiropractic medicine, DC. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as licensed physicians in the United States, there's two uh, types of licensed physicians. There's MD uh, and DO. And so MD is uh, um, allopathic physician and DO is osteopathic physician. Mm -hmm. Um, MDs have been around as far as like, I mean, for like hundreds of years. DO is still a relatively newer uh, kind of profession, but it's been around since the 1800s. And so that's like 150 years that osteopathic medicine has come around. But same with chiropractic. Chiropractic came around the same time. And actually um, the founder of osteopathic medicine, Dr. Andrew Taylor Still, he was an MD uh, it was during civil war times and he saw that there was just the way that traditional medicine was being practiced at the time. And there was a lot of like amputations and bleeding people out. And he was just like, you know what? There's got to be a better way that we can help people. And he started really studying the body anatomy. He was already a surgeon himself and he started finding a way to be able to treat people with his hands. And that's what became osteopathic manipulative medicine. And he started teaching. And so he was the first DO. So he was MD, DO. And he was the first DO, and um, he started teaching others as far as his. And it wasn't just about treating them with his hands; it was a philosophy. Uh, the philosophy was the person is a unit of body, mind, and spirit. Structure and function are reciprocally interrelated. The body is capable of self-healing, self-regulation, and health maintenance. And rational treatment is uh, based upon practicing with these preceding principles. And so. This was something that he, it was a, um, a newer way to kind of look at the person in a more holistic approach rather than looking at the disease. It's not about treating the disease, it's about treating the patient. It's about looking at them as a whole, trying to figure out what's going on with them as a whole so that we can find health within the individual rather than search disease out in a person. And so uh, that's where uh, it's more of that holistic approach. Now, the original chiropractor, uh, Dr. Parker um, uh, Parker Palmer, um, I think it was Parker. He was a um, a pupil of a doctor uh, Still, and he learned some of the manipulative kind of components. And he said, "I like this. I don't want to, you know, necessarily practice all the medicine right. aspects, but I like the manipulative kind of comp, uh, concepts." And so that's where he ran and kind of did his own thing. And so philosophy, uh, from a philosophy, there is some overlap, but there's uh, a little bit of a different model. Uh, a lot of chiropractors very much have it from a neuro- uh, neurologic type model, and mm-hmm. Very much a lot of that um, thing that stems from uh, osteopathic is uh, the vascular model, thinking about we want to optimize blood flow. Uh, You know, stasis is death, Mm -hmm, it is mm -hmm. life, motion is medicine. And so, uh, you know, it's about making sure that we're getting adequate oxygen, nutrients to the body areas, making sure that we're removing any kind of toxic metabolic products out of those areas. Uh, And so that's kind of uh, Dr. Still's philosophy. Um, you know, unfortunately, like, well, fortunately for chiropractors, they've marketed themselves very well. So the public knows what they do. Exactly. Whereas, you know, and a lot of people can't tell if they're being treated necessarily by a physician and whether they're a DO or an MD, but the hope is that, you know, if you cover it up, you can tell if it's a DO because they're, you know, typically a little bit more, um, holistic in their approach. Um, all DOs are taught osteopathic manipulative medicine, but only a small fraction of us actually use it it was a big reason that I wanted to become a DO and I wanted to go to an osteopathic medical school was I saw its practicality in sports medicine as far as treating the athlete. And I said, this is something that I wanna be able to learn how to do. I I wanna have this hands-on treatment that's always available to me. And it's been a huge, uh, huge advantage for me as a sports medicine physician. I really don't know how I could get by as a sports medicine physician. Um, Thinking about the patients that I saw today, I did uh, osteopathic manipulation, I think on, uh, easily 80% of my patients today. Uh,
1: Let's talk about that. What does that entail and what does that look like? And what are the normally like some of the symptoms that you had with say working with some people today?
2: Sure. And so, um, osteopathic manipulative medicine, uh, or osteopathic manipulative treatment, um, OMM or OMT, uh, using the, uh, using the hands to be able to correct any, what we call somatic dysfunctions of the body. Right. And so, um, uh, you know, if somebody has a fracture a sprain, a strain, a dislocation, these are pathologies that can occur in the body, but the spasming of the tissue, the myofascial pull, uh, that's causing a chronic strain kind of pattern. So if I take this over here and I'm yanking it over here, right. I to start to have some issues on my body. So how do we fix this? And if I just leave it be, it's kind of slumped like this. So, you know, a lot of our treatment really focuses on on uh treating the myofascia treating the muscle the fascia kind of tissue that surrounds Mm -hmm. the body uh, to make sure that it's optimizing the body to be able to heal itself so we can do any of the popping techniques that the chiropractors can do but we can also uh work on the myofascia we can work on the lymphatics we can work on any of the other areas in the body that are impairing the body's ability to be able to heal itself so in general when i'm looking at a patient um i always say it's like you know again going back to those principles the body's capable of self-healing uh um, and so if the body's capable of self-healing why is the body not healing itself exactly that we have a straight path that we need to walk down to get our bodies to be able to heal itself and sometimes we you know unknowingly kind of start off on the wrong kind of path we start deviating so sometimes it's about me just kind of explaining to the patient how they can self-correct to make sure they're walking down that path but sometimes there's an obstruction in that path, and that's where I need to do some sort of intervention to help remove that obstruction so that they're able to keep moving forward. And that's where manipulation or sometimes some other procedures that we do are mm-hmm. able to help the patient move better.
1: Well, I like I like the way you said that. Now, I know that we are our title is life is life is a sport. Motion is medicine. So when you say motion is medicine, what does that really mean? Is it just just keep on moving or I don't, I'm not sure?
2: So, in, in general, it's like, again, it's like uh, once we stop moving, you know, golden, <laughs> it's the end of life. You know, it's like, You're done. Yeah,
1: you know, forget about it.
2: <laughs> I mean, from the beginning, we need to be moving. And in right. general, body wants to move. And we've learned consequences. If you keep yourself immobilized, if you sit in a chair all day, your body's going to start screaming at you. Yep. Your hip flexors, all those things are going to start kind of screaming at you. Your body wants to be moving, our body wants to be in motion muscles are full-time employees and if they don't take the job of work then they're going to take the job of spasm and so it's important to make sure that we are moving throughout the day if we have anything that's not allowing us to move the right way that's where we need to do something corrective so that we're moving you know and i always say it's like also making sure that we're moving the right way not the wrong way and um, you know, my interest in medicine started uh, in high school. I became a certified personal trainer and I kept oh, wow. training through college and even through medical school. But I started asking a lot of these kind of questions. And I, you know, I would always try to teach people to lift things perfectly the right way, not perfectly the wrong way. And that's part of where my interest in sports medicine kind of started. It, it was kind of a mixture of that and my background in wrestling also um, uh, that kind of started my interest as far as uh, studying how the body moves. When I was a wrestler, actually, it was uh, um, 180 degrees from what I do now because um, wrestling is a very uh, um, aggressive and oftentimes sadistic kind of sport. Um, <laughs> where, uh, and I learned from some of the very skilled wrestlers that I, um, taught me, um, you know, they would tell me to kind of study my opponent. Look how they're look how they're moving. Okay, he's you see his ankle is kind of taped over there. He has a little bit of a bum ankle. You see how he has his fingers taped over there. See how he has a cauliflower over here. He's probably going to be doing duck unders on that side. Yep. And so I would study them so I could learn how to exploit their injury or their weakness or their insufficiency uh, so that I was able to uh, have a, you know, a mental advantage coming into the wrestling match. And so I had a strategy coming in, even if I was unfamiliar with that wrestler. Um, now, 180 degrees, as far as what I do, is when somebody walks in, I look for the same thing. Nice. I'm looking at what can I do to get them moving better? What can I do so that they're not uh, um, having any kind of insufficiency, deficiency, weakness, instability, and so those are all things that I'm looking at to be able to help them rather than potentially hurt them. So,
1: wow. So, our, I like that. So, you're talking about learning from wrestlers. So, I take it you learn from like WWF, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior. No, no, no. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> I'm playing. Okay, yeah, I know. Hey, I had to throw that in there. You know, I'm, I'm an '80s, '80s, '90s kid, but um. Also with that being said, I know that um, with sports medicine, there are other things that you treat. What are some of the, what would you say uh, are treating sports medicine? What would you say is um, some of the main examples that maybe people do not hear more of, which is sports medicine? So example, you know, um, you know, I used to be a tennis pro, you know, so, uh, you know, I, you know, I hear people saying, you know, talking about pickleball and I'm like, what the heck is that? It's not tennis, you know, because it's, it's different, you know, but I, when I got to understand pickleball, to be honest, it's a lot like tennis. So what would you say some of, some of the things that maybe there's like a misconception of understanding maybe some other examples of what else uh, would be also in the, um, I would say, in the box of sports medicine, if that makes
2: sense. Sure. And, you know, um, that we haven't talked about. Yeah. And so, sports medicine, again, we were, we we're almost saying that, you know, some people, again, it, sports, calling it sports medicine almost sounds exclusive. Um, uh, and right. so, uh, we almost say it's, it's more motion medicine, it's movement medicine we're trying to get people moving. And so, you know, again, if it's a fracture, if it's a sprain, what do we need to do to get them to be able to heal, to be able to do that? But if it's a concussion, what do I need to, sometimes I have to slow people down so that they can speed up again, moving Mm -hmm. forward. So sometimes we have to kind of, you know, barter bargain, try to kind of figure out what we need to do. Now, also, you know, as far as sports medicine, there's different kinds of sports medicine physicians. So, um, you know, D-O-M-D, after we uh, um, decide that we're gonna specialize, Um, Sports medicine, uh, you can enter the field in primary care sports medicine from six different medical fields. So you can do it from family medicine, you can do it from internal medicine, from pediatrics, from emergency medicine, from physical medicine rehabilitation, and from osteopathic manipulative medicine. So six different pathways that you can take into that. Um, As far as I know, University of Michigan is the only place in the country that has a neurology sports medicine that after you complete a uh, neurology residency, you can do a specified towards neurology sports medicine fellowship. So that would be a sports neurologist in that Mm -hmm. case. Um, What I've done is family medicine and osteopathic manipulative medicine, and and then I did a, a primary care sports medicine. Now, if you're an orthopedic surgeon, you complete your orthopedic surgery residency, and then you do a surgical specialty sports medicine fellowship. So some sports medicine doctors are surgeons. And so any sports medicine surgeon tends to have a lot of times uh, extra expertise in regards to um, specialized treatments for shoulder, knee, and depending on where they do their fellowship, sometimes hip and elbow. A lot of times, a lot of it's very much an arthroscopic-based kind of fellowship. Uh, I know that they do get some exposure to some of the things that we do within primary care sports medicine, but as far as managing things like concussion and all the other non-operative kind of things, uh, um, that's where it kind of, uh, um, that's where sports medicine really kind of a, uh, primary care sports medicine is really able to shine. And one of the things I like to talk about is, and I'm not saying all surgeons, I've worked with some excellent surgeons, but you know a lot of surgeons, you know we say it's like you know, surgeons a hammer, patients a nail, all the surgeon knows is how to do surgery all the hammer knows how to do is hit the nail exactly and so it's very just kind of black and white and so it's either surgery or good luck and in sports medicine i say it's like you know i recognize when it's you know black and white but I recognize all the gray in between. I call it the gamut of the gray. So we deal with all of that that's kind of in between there as well. And so, um, and and, you know, I would say my gray area, a surgeon might only say there's, you know, there's only this much kind of, you know, there's surgery all the way here. And then, you know, there's not much in between. Uh, I'd say that a lot of things, there are a lot of things in between. Um, And uh, a lot of times there's certain things that we do in sports medicine. and movement medicine mm-hmm. uh, and osteopathic manipulative medicine that just, some people just don't even wanna know about because it would affect their bottom line. Because if a surgeon's like, you know, surgeons like to cut. Yeah. And, and so if a surgeon's like, well, I could send it to this other doctor would be able to do this and then I wouldn't have to do the surgery. Well, that's not very good for their business. And so, um, you know, so that's it. But you know, what's interesting is um, uh, I'm part of uh, the American Osteopathic Academy of Sports Medicine. And um, our group has partnered with this uh, um, uh, group internationally, notably in Germany, this uh, um, DAAO. And we've been teaching over there about how to do osteopathic sports medicine over in Germany. Um, One thing that's interesting is over in Europe, depending on which country, a lot of the surgeons are, you know, if they're incentivized based off of outcome more than what the procedure is. Right. So they can do a less invasive kind of procedure, like osteopathic manipulative treatment or a regenerative treatment, and they're able to get the patient to the same outcome, then they're paid the same amount. So some of them are less incentivized to try to do these makes big sense. expensive surgeries. And so um, we've been going over there and teaching for years. Prior to COVID, I've been over there for a few years. And, um, the sur- and a lot of the group that was there was surgeons. There were some primary care, there were some physiatrists, but there was a lot of surgeons that were there and they wanted to learn how can I do other things beyond surgery to be able to help my patients.
1: Well, wow, I like that. You know, it's funny, um, I, I love neurologists. I, I think that, that my personal opinion, I believe that every chiropractor that becomes a chiropractor should at least get a, should be well studied in that i mean can we talk a little bit about your fellowship you know what that means I, I i feel like our audience i think it's very important that that when you're my personal opinion when you're looking for a, a, a chiropractor you're looking for a good doctor that they have a fellowship and i'd like to maybe kind of if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about that because i believe it's very important because when you talk about the function of the body and you go deep into that it, it gives you more of an understanding on how to work on the body as a whole Um, I, I, I go to, I've gone to doctors recently, you know, and I've compared doctors to uh, neurologists and people that have, that that have a fellowship. And I feel like I get my money's worth, believe it or not, from someone that has a fellowship because they're looking at my entire body, not just take a couple pills. Here's a patch. I'll see you next week. Let me know how you feel.
2: You know, and to, to be honest though, I don't know if that's always necessarily true you know, sometimes people become so sub-specialized that they only can look at somebody through uh, the pinhole. That makes sense. You know, and so, you know, like, so let's talk about fellow, you know, training. So, you know, typically in American uh, medical education, Mm -hmm. um, after you graduate from medical school, you do an internship, uh, which is one year, and then you do your residency. And so your residency is anywhere between three to six years, depending on what your specialty is. Um, and then after that, you can go out into practice, or you can do some additional training, a uh, fellowship. And so, um, I've done two different fellowships in addition to my residency training. And so, my um, I did a um, my residency training was in family medicine, osteopathic manipulative medicine. I did a fellowship in uh, um, osteopathic manipulative medicine as well, and then I also did a fellowship in primary care sports medicine. So, um, those fellowships were each a year. Most of the fellowships in the uh, um, country are one to three years, depending on what the training is. Um, uh, most of the sports medicine fellowships, uh, some of them are have a little bit of a research component to it uh, or an additional research component to it, so they're two years. Um, but uh, uh, most of the primary care sports medicine fellowships are one year, most of the orthopedic sports medicine fellowships are one year. And during that, it's an intensive year of education, learning uh, by um, making sure that you understand all different aspects of uh, treating, you know, all different kinds of injury, uh, really kind of a deep dive into anatomy, physiology, biomechanics, uh, making sure that all those things are understood, um, uh, various uh, procedural opportunities, seeing a lot of patients within that field and having formalized instruction to make sure that you're learning how to do things right from experienced Mm -hmm. individuals with credentials.
1: Right, no, I I agree. I was just, so I'll give you an example. Let's say I had neuropathy. You know, if I had neuropathy, I don't, but if I did, we know that it, neuropathy is normally because of blood flow and, of course, could be all sorts of things depending on what you're eating. And it's it's funny, if I were to go to a doctor, and I've seen this within my own family, if I were to go to a there's two, I always look at it like this, there's two different types of doctors. Actually, there's three. Yeah, it's like, if you need a surgeon, you need to be cut open because there's a situation you got in a car accident, something like that. I totally understand, but I've seen where there's been a lot of, Times where somebody did not need to be cut up or it needed to be cut open, you know, and, uh, you know, it happens, but I always look at, there's, there's two types of doctors, some that will give you a little baggie with a bunch of pills to take, which that's okay if, if you need them, but the system wasn't created for you to get weaned off of those pills for like, say you're, you utilizing, um, Uh, neuropathy you know um, I've I know that within my family we've seen uh, doctors that are neurologists and have literally been able to reverse maybe not it to go away but start to reverse it by with what we're eating and by utilizing certain tools that that uh, doctors have you know and what are your thoughts on that?
2: I mean, my, my thought is, um, and when I, one thing I, you know, I teach medical students all the time and residents all the time. And I used to be a fellowship director, first oh, nice. as well. <laughs> so I, I do a lot of medical education, but, um, I say it's like, you know, we, as you know, one of the things that's valuable about going to medical school, about going through a residency, about going through a mm-hmm. fellowship is you get a lot of, you obtain a lot of knowledge mm-hmm. and you learn how to learn because we're never going to know everything we're never gonna know it. We're, we keep learning new things. And you know, one thing that I say is sometimes uh, with the patient, it, uh, their condition sees us, but we don't see it. And that's where we're at the mercy of what our declarative knowledge is, and how much sense. we know what's going on with somebody. And so I see people all the time where um, they come into my office and within the first five minutes, I say that this is what it is. And they're like, I've seen five other specialists. Why haven't they been able to figure this out? And it's not that, you know, that they just are holding back that information. It's just that they haven't learned that. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the big things about, you know, what, after kind of going through medicine, uh, as far as all my training, I feel you get, you develop a lot of fear and humility for and respect for the human body, the human structure. You know, it's like, uh, it's, it takes an incredible amount of knowledge and it's a continuous amount. I say, we're professional nerds in the sense in that we're always needing to learn. We're always reading. We're always looking for further education. And if you, you know, just like I say, motion is medicine. Education is always in flux as well. When you stop learning, that's when you need to hang up your stethoscope. Stop growing. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm constantly learning, constantly teaching myself. and, And so then, you know, I might see something that I wasn't sure about today. And in five years from today, I'll be able to say, no, 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 I've read about that. I know what that is. And I've had things that I've been able to figure out on other patients just because I am able to kind of, uh, you know, access that declarative knowledge. And then I've seen it procedurally, how it can play out. And I know how to apply that procedurally to be able to treat the patient. Now, um, you know, you know, it's not to, I don't want, I think that I, um, my background in primary care and uh, um, family medicine has given me a good diversity so that I kind of Look, you know, at all the different systems. I don't just kind of focus in on this because smart. maybe somebody's coming in for a neuropathy kind of complaint, but and so maybe if they go see the neurologist, maybe the neurologist is like, yeah, it's this neuropathy. And what I find a lot of doctors do is they treat the test rather than the patient, mm-hmm. and that's always a disappointing thing too because the patient will. I always, you know, tell people the patient will tell you what's going on. We just have to be smart enough and informed enough to be able to figure out what they're telling us and recognize what it is. And so just because they have a label of neuropathy, you know, don't just look at it through that neurologist kind of lens. Because
1: it could be something else causing that.
2: Yeah, it could be a sort point of a muscle. It could be a vascular kind of issue. It could. And so I need to have that differential. I need to make sure that I'm thinking and my brain is spinning and I need to be uh, able to identify and ask the questions and know the physical exam uh, maneuvers to be able to kind of see, is this consistent with what's going on? I see people all the time that come to me for, one thing and then I end up diagnosing them with another thing. And it's not to discount what they came in for. And I need to make sure that they have that understanding. But that's the reason also that I try to be an imaging minimalist. I say it's like, I, um, I do an excellent history and physical examination. And from that, I surmise, you know, it's like, if I have not been, usually with a history, I already have an idea about what's going on. Physical right. examination, I'm doing some maneuvers to help confirm or to, you know, kind of either build or uh, narrow down or possibly expand my differential as far as things. If I need to get labs, if I need to get imaging, um, it's because I need that to help characterize it better, but I don't get imaging just to get imaging. If it's gonna help the management of the patient, the so what kind of factor, that's where I'm gonna be getting those kind of things done.
1: Well, wow, I like that. Well, it's like you said, treating the body as a whole, because. Some people would just focus on one thing. If I come in with knee pain, sometimes we think, well, you know, it's, it's my knee, but really it could be your upper back mm-hmm. or your lower back, which, which can cause, which it's, I had that same situation. It's interesting. I had a slip disc and I was almost out of work for almost about a year. And I remember going to a chiropractor. I didn't want to go to a chiropractor and uh, I, I was going to other doctors. I was having the pills, their pills were keeping me up. And then I saw a chiropractor, and he he basically not only just straightened out my, my vertebrae a lot, you know, but he gave me some tips on what I needed to do. I I started following those tips, and one of them was a swimming laps. Believe it or not, and I couldn't even sleep on the on the ground. I mean, on the bed, I had to sleep on the ground because, you know, my my disc was so messed up. And um, after uh, two weeks of swimming laps back and forth, I was I was out of pain. I still haven't, I'm, still haven't had pain, and that was like twenty years ago. But my 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 point is, and where I want to kind of uh, go into is if I were to be treated at your office, how would that work? Do I just go in there and you set an appointment, what would the, for, what would the formation look from step one, two, and three?
2: So, and, and again, my office is not the conventional office because we are kind of, you know, what I say is we are, um, we're out of network. We're kind of out of the healthcare system. And I always like to do the bunny ears with the healthcare kind of thing, because it's a disease care system. It's not necessarily really giving physician's time to be able to spend with their patients to be able to write help. So I saw saw a problem with the healthcare system and I kind of said, you know what, I'm exiting from that. So the model that we have is we're out of network. So you don't have to have any kind of bureaucratic process or tiered process of you have to satisfy A, B and C before you can do D, um, before this insurance company dictates this is gonna be part of your care. And so pretty much if you said, hey, I wanna come see Dr. Clearfield, all you have to do is get on the phone get On your computer, and uh, you know, it's like a, an arrange for an appointment to come in to be seen, and it's as simple as that. Um, and when you come in, uh, you know, it's like uh, we make sure that we do a good, you know, comprehensive history about what's kind of going on with you. But I like to understand what you know, it's like what your uh, um, you know, past injury history or uh, um, you know, sports, uh, sports and ortho kind of related history is, so I can see if there's anything from the past that might be manifesting in the present, right? Um, I want to understand what your current concerns are, what your goals are, so that I can see what realistically is a good kind of endpoint for you. Because uh, one thing I tell my, uh, my students all the time is that you know I, can, I might see somebody and I could go exactly by the book. This is exactly what I need to do for you. But your expectation was different. And so I try to make sure I really elicit what the patient's expectations are. If the patient's coming in saying, I think I need an MRI for my shoulder, I can say, okay, why do you think you need an MRI for your shoulder? Let me tell you why. I don't think that's gonna be a, the best thing for us right now. I think this is the best place to kind of start because based off your history and physical exam, I'm thinking that you have a little bit of a rotator cuff strain. Let's say that we get an MRI. Let's say that we, you know, see that that's exactly what's going on. It hasn't changed anything, but we've had that extra right. expense. And so, um, so again, uh, we take, a, a lot of doctors We're kind of handicapped to the system because ultimately we keep getting paid less and less by insurance companies. And so, Pretty much that. What what instead of if we want to be able to make any money to you know keep our doors open, keep our families fed, that encourages us to spend less time with patients, more time on paperwork, and get more patients in. It's about it's a numbers game, you know. And I just said, and so a lot of us that you know said it's like I, if I had time for this, if I had time for that, the patients like if my doctor had time for this or time for that. Then a lot of time, you know, time alone will allow you to be able to figure things out. And so having this model where we are just able to say, dictate how much time we have with the patient. And I can just say, this is how much I think my time is worth. You know, This is not an, uh, a completely innovative new model. It's the same old model that we had before insurance companies came in, before big hospitals and systems came in, right. physicians out, bought insurance companies out, and before they kind of essentially ruined medicine. Um, this is the old doctor and the patient sitting across from them. This is how much my, uh, my this is how much it costs for this. And this, that's what we're going to do. It's very similar to uh, um, uh, you, you know, getting your car fixed up. Every time you you need an oil change, do you use your car insurance? Every time you get a flat tire, you use your car insurance. But if you get a flat tire, you're not going to drive on that tire, right? Because you know, you're going to tear your car up. It's going to cost more money in the long run. So why is spraining your knee any different, you know, but do we have to use our health insurance for it? And so I think you know it's like I I carry uh, I, I don't have uh, routine health insurance for myself, but I carry catastrophic insurance. So if I get hit by a car, if I have a stroke, if I have a cancer, a heart attack, something severe, something with ridiculous kind of medical bills, right. we're covered for that kind of thing. But uh, as far as this routine stuff, I just pay out of pocket, uh, just because it's like uh, you know this is how much healthcare should this is how healthcare really should work. We should cut all these other systems out of it, and you'd be surprised how cheap you can get things done um when you're kind of working outside of these systems
1: yeah i agree with you 100 i like i like the way that you explained it very thorough (laughs) you're like mark i do it all the time (laughs) wow hey i just want to again thank you so much for being here on the show i love one of the things that i've learned today is hey it's not just motion is medicine but um with a with someone that works in sports medicine it's not just people that are in sports And I just want to say thank you so much for your service with what you do. Um, I am very thankful that that you were on the show to explain that. And I know that there's going to be some people that are going to be asking some questions and most likely be instant messaging me. This normally happens to me whenever I get on the show. One one last thing before we leave. What's one last thing that you would like to leave with with people that are maybe You know, there's some people that are scared of doctors, just like there's some people that are scared to go to the dentist. I hate to do the comparison, but hey, it is what it is. You know, Uh, let's say somebody has that's in your area right now and they're they've just seen so many doctors after doctors. And they're just like, you know what? No one's helping my my neuropathy or we'll say arthritis or whatever it may be. What's something that you can maybe, uh, you know, kind of encouragement to them to whether see you or a, 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 a physician that's in. That that has um, you know that's been through a fellowship or anything,
2: and, and I guess as another selling point for just seeing a sports medicine physician, and regardless of DO or MD, I feel like a lot of sports medicine physicians very much carry a lot of these philosophical kind of things that I uh-huh. have been talking about that the you know is uh, trained within the osteopathic philosophy. But um, I think there's a lot of MDs that embrace these principles in sports medicine, uh, and the advantage of seeing like a primary care sports medicine physician like myself is. Um, Many of us were very aware of what's in the box of conventional medicine, but we definitely think outside the box as well. And there's so many people that, I mean, I've seen so many people, I've seen ortho for this and that, and it's not sometimes their fault that, you know, some of these other people don't figure it out. Uh, Sometimes it's that they only have a constricted amount of time. Maybe they're only looking at the image and they're not looking at the patient, but that's something that we are all trained to kind of really do. Uh, So from a sports medicine standpoint, there's so many different things that, you know, and it's not just athletic kind of injuries. You know, we treat, again, primary care sports medicine. So I can deal with, you know, athletic heart issues, lung issues. I treat a lot. I'm a, you know, I work with our United States wrestling team and, and judo team. I see a lot of dermatologic issues in the athlete. Oh, wow. uh, so, I mean, it, it, the range is pretty great. I actually have a lot of uh, gastrointestinal doctors, GI doctors that send me their patients that have chronic nerve related abdominal pain. And I'm able to kind of work on those kind of things. So it's like, it really kind of is a very cool field because it just branches out into so many different kinds of areas of medicine. And so it like it crosses over into neurology here, crosses over into GI or cardio or derm. Um, it's really cool just the, uh the vast amount of things that we're able to see and evaluate. And at the same time, I mean, I would say that, you know almost all of us have great humility about what we are comfortable with and what we're not comfortable with. If I think this is something that needs surgery. Now, I never, unless I see the bone hanging out of their arm, I never tell somebody you need surgery, but I say, you know what? I think this needs to be discussed with the surgeon. Exactly. Surgeon that I know and trust to get you to. So I recognize when it's something that's outside of my wheelhouse that I, or maybe it's just something that I just shouldn't be managing myself. I agree. But um, uh, those are all things that I would just uh, encourage people to do. So, you know, a lot of times you'd be surprised how much a sports medicine physician is able to help you out in so many different things beyond just an achy shoulder, an achy back. Uh, you know, so just uh, sometimes just finding yourself a, a local sports medicine physician can help. Now, if you're in my area, um, definitely come see me, again, North Texas area. Um, uh, and if you wanna learn more about it also, definitely follow us on our social media. Um, our, uh, our handle is med. And uh, our website is uh, motionismedicinedfw.com, DallasFortWorth.com, and so yeah, definitely follow us. We we try to um, really provide a lot of information to inform the public. Try to show some of the various kind of procedures uh, that we do. Um, today we just filmed uh, um, a procedure of us doing a uh, um, sciatic nerve hydrodissection on somebody with hamstring pirif- uh, hamstring sciatica. Wow. Uh, so, um, it's, again, it, some people are like, I have no, I, I can't tell you how many people that said, I wish I knew that you did blah, blah this many years ago. And so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get the word out. I'm trying to let more people become aware of what we do in sports medicine and what I specifically do as an osteopathic sports medicine physician. Thank
1: you so much. I love it. Wow. Everyone, here's the thing. Um, sharing is caring. Please share this. If you don't have pain, I can guarantee there's somebody on your Facebook page, your Twitter, Instagram, any type of gram online, TikTok, please let's share it because it's about helping one person at a time. And I know that's Dr. Daniel's, Daniel's uh, passion. And uh, thank you so
2: much again for being here. And uh, you're awesome. Thank you. Thank, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks.